0: Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. I'm starting a new series today, which I am ridiculously excited about. This, this series has been forming and, and brooding in me for a couple of years now. And I was going to start it in January, but it just didn't feel like it was quite ready. It wasn't quite formed in the way that I wanted it to, and so it got delayed. And starting it this week... but. It's amazing how the Lord knows, doesn't he? And it just feels like it's exactly the right time to be doing this. And so I've called it Live Like Jesus. That's the name of the series. But it's not just a series. It's not just kind of a a one off, you know, four or five week thing that we go, oh, that was interesting. and, And then move on. This is going to be something that drives through the church, through our church for the next couple of years and beyond and it's gonna be language that we keep returning to again and again, live like Jesus. Now, for those of you that have been in our community for a while that you, you will know that our vision is restoring the city, renewing the nation. And God has given us a prophetic image of what he wants to do in the city and nation. And, and our vision is to see God's presence and his kingdom and in his power break into Cardiff and beyond. Um, to break into people and to communities and this picture of restoration is you know I often imagine like a house that's become decrepit or or it could be a, a chair or something and that it's broken and beaten up, and what happens is that the Lord loves to take broken things and restore them to fullness, and that's the picture of restoration, that's what happens when the kingdom of God breaks in, it restores broken people and broken communities, and it brings them to life. Now God has not only given us a heart for Cardiff, but he's given us a heart for this beautiful, beautiful land of Wales as well, and so not only do we want to see um communities across Cardiff, we, we want to see new church plants and communities spread throughout this land because the, the good news of Jesus is so beautiful and we need the world to hear. So as a church, we've got a set of values that we have been outworking over the last few, few years, you know, grace-filled community, courageous compa- um, compassion, outrageous generosity, and it goes on. But, but the peace that we feel that the Lord wants to add in this next season and to focus on is one of discipleship and discipleship or or spiritual formation. It's how we're formed to be more like him. Really the how, or how does that happen? So let me explain, and I found some of Alan Scott's thinking helpful on this. He says this, how do we create the kind of disciples that change communities? In our language that would be, how do we create the kind of disciples who restore cities? Why are there so few of those around? Instead of asking, how do we disciple those who are coming to faith, which is a good question, we're asking something much bigger. How do we create the kind of disciple who relentlessly, repeatedly leads individuals and institutions into faith? We call them disciples who change communities. Disciples who restore cities. And Alan goes on and he gives a, a couple of really helpful thoughts on this of, as, as to what that would look like. But at the heart of it he's asking this question how do we live like Jesus how do we become more like him how do we embrace the lifestyle of a disciple as Christians Jesus is our example the gospels show us how he lived and the and the deeper question that each one of us needs to be asking is this question who am i becoming who am i becoming As a disciple, your your goal isn't just to know about Jesus, but to grow and to mature and join him in his work, in his kingdom work. 1 John 2 verse 6, which is going to be a really pivotal verse for us, is this. This is how we know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We're called to follow him, to become like him, to do what he would do if he were us. And I was reading through the Gospels the other day, And the words of Jesus just highlighted and read in in my, in my Bible. And I was struck again by how often he kept repeating this phrase, come and follow me, come and follow me, come and be my disciples, come and learn from me, come and remain in me. Let me just give you a few scriptures, foundational scriptures, Mark 1, 16 to 20. and This is where Jesus calls his first disciples. It just says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little bit further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They were literally straight off. He said, follow, and they were, they were gone. Mark 2, 13 to 14. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And finally, Mark eight thirty four. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. There's a pattern. There's an invitation. Come and follow. Come and follow. Come and be my disciple. And the challenge sometimes when we address this topic of being a disciple or discipleship is, well, what exactly do we mean by that? People often think about what do I need to do and not the who. Who am I following? They think about the activity, not the person. And we might all use the word discipleship slightly different depending on our church background and experience. So for some people, you say the word discipleship, they're like, oh, it means one on one Bible study. I know exactly what you mean. We sit down, we open the scriptures together. For others, it's accountability groups. Let's talk about what's been going on in our life and how we how we want to grow. For others, it's prayer partners or small groups. Or it could just be a lone activity, us and Jesus. It's like, it's the time that I spend, it's my quiet time, the time that I spend with him. So the word has loads of expectations. Well, what do we mean? What do I mean? The concept that I find most helpful is from a guy called Dallas Willard. And in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, which for me is a top three book of all time. It's a heavy read, just as a health warning. It's not easy but I think it does such a brilliant job of opening up what is the gospel, what does it mean to follow Jesus. But he talks about being apprentices of Jesus. Now, sometimes in our culture, we talk about apprentices and we think, oh, do you know what? You're talking about the 16 to 20 work placement, the year old who's gone into a work placement and there they learn on the job. And that's true. That's but, it, but it's more than that. It's an apprenticeship that we stay in. It's not just this thing when we're younger or this, this moment when we come to faith that we apprentice in that moment. It's like, no, this is a lifelong pursuit of following Jesus. John Mark Comer has u- taken this teaching and he's expanded it. And, I, and I'm using some of his thinking today. So if we look at Jesus, to start with, Jesus was a rabbi, which in Hebrew means teacher. And of course, he was more than that. We can look back with hindsight, the most beautiful thing in life, isn't it? And be like, well, we know that he was the son of God. We know all the things. We know that he rose again. But but if you were a first century Jew and Jesus arrived in your town or synagogue, so you're sitting there and suddenly Jesus rolls into town. It's like, whoa, the odds are that the, the category that you would have put him in would be one of rabbi. And like every rabbi in his day, Jesus had two things. First, he had a yoke. Now, a yoke is not language that we use very often nowadays. You're like, what, what even? No, I'm not talking about the middle bit of an egg. I'm talking about if you picture oxen, for instance, they would have had this wooden cross piece that's fastened over an oxen, two oxen, and that it keeps them ploughing in the right direction. And... Um, keeping them in step. It teaches them. Well, when we're talking about a rabbi, we're talking about a yoke as well. This was a common um, term. It was their set of teaching. It was their way of living, walking alongside them, as you can imagine. There's a great book called Learning to Walk in the Dust of My Rabbi. And, you know, it's really that idea, learning from your rabbi in each and every circumstance what to do, how to act, how to think about something. A a yoke was a way of understanding how a rabbi read the scriptures. But it was also more than that. It was their set of teachings about what it means to be human, their way to deal with life in all of its complexity, marriage, divorce, prayer, money, sex, conflict, resolution, government, all of it. But what made Jesus unique wasn't that he had a yoke because actually a lot of teachers and rabbis at that time would have had a yoke. It was that Jesus had an easy yoke. That was the difference. So the first one is about a yoke. The second is Jesus had apprentices. Now, in Hebrew, the word is Talmudim. And it's usually translated as disciples, which we're incredibly familiar with, oh, you know, to be his disciples. But sometimes I think that we've forgotten a bit of the meaning To be one of Jesus's Talmudim or one of his disciples is to apprentice under him. To put simply, it's to organise your life around some principles. The first one of of which is that you spend time with them, that you be with them, that you be with Jesus. That as you do that, you begin to become more like the rabbi, more like Jesus. And then finally, that you do what they did. Do what they would, what he would do. And the whole point of apprenticeships apprenticeship sorry is to model all of your life after jesus and in doing so what happens is you begin to recover your soul to have the warped part of you put back into shape to experience healing in the deepest parts of your being to to experience what jesus called in john 10 10 life to the full life abundant life what the new testament writers would call salvation Keep in mind that this Greek word that we translate salvation is soteria, and it's the same word for healing. So when you're reading the New Testament and you read that somebody was healed by Jesus and you read that somebody else was saved by Jesus, you're reading this same Greek word salvation. The English word salvation comes from the Latin word salve, which is like a balm or an ointment that you put on a burn or a wound. And this is what Jesus was all about. It was about healing people at a soul level, saving them. How? Through apprenticeship to him. So everywhere Jesus went, he was constantly offering this invitation. And usually it sounded like this. Come, follow me. Come, be my apprentice. This this was Jesus's go-to language for people to come and find healing in apprenticeship to him. But let's come back to another invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. Beautiful words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Suddenly that verse makes so much, oh, that's what he's talking about by a yoke. Now, if you read this in the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, are you tired? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? There's an invitation for all the tired, for all the burned out, the stressed. Are any of you feeling like that right now? I, I know that many of you might feel like that. Jesus' invitation is to take up his yoke, to travel through life at his side, learning from him how to shoulder the weight of life, to step out of this burnout society and find rest for our souls. Now, this sounds great. And you're like, yes, yes, James, that's exactly what I want. But let me just call out the elephant in the room for a moment. How many of you read this invitation of Jesus and think, I'm a follower of Jesus as far as I can tell. But honestly, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I live with this low level of tiredness all of the time. Am I I missing something? Jesus talks about this easy yoke. What's he talking about? Hidden in plain sight in the invitation of Jesus is what Dallas Willard calls the secret of the easy yoke. And he wrote about this. He wrote this about Matthew 11. In this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies and going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully while the rest of our lives is lived in just the same way as everybody else. It's a strategy bound to fail. What he's saying here is simple but really profound. This is Coma's paraphrase of the secret of the easy yoke. If you want to experience the life of Jesus you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That is really, really profound. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. So let let me give you a little bit of an example. When I was about 12 or 13, I, I played a lot of cricket. I was pretty good at cricket. I was playing for my county. And and it reached the point where we used to have to play other counties. And so on a Sunday morning, it would be like travelling to the middle of nowhere, you know, a couple of hours in the car to go and play a game of cricket. And it reached the point where I was like, this is really, really hard work. Now, you combine that with practice as well. You know, so suddenly, you know, in order to be really good, in order to take that next stage, you've really got to knuckle down, Uh, you know, during lunch times, during weekends, during evenings. It would be to be down the nets, to practice batting, to practice bowling, all of these things. Now, the truth is, I loved the idea of being amazing at cricket. I, I even loved the idea of being a professional cricketer. The truth is, I didn't want the lifestyle. I didn't want, to, I didn't want to practice. I didn't want to travel. And so it reached the point where I was like, do you know what, at the age of 13, I'm out. That, that's just not going to happen. The reality is I wanted the life, but I wasn't willing to adopt the lifestyle behind it. I'm like, no, that's just too much. And I think, if I'm really honest, that's how a lot of us feel about Jesus We read the stories of Jesus, his joy, his peace, his love, the way that he loved people, his relaxed manner and how in the moment he was and think, do you know, I want that life. And we hear this open invite of the abundant life and life to the full. We're like, yes, I I love that idea. We hear about his easy yoke and soul rest and think, I'm in, I'm in. I absolutely want that. But then we're not willing to adopt his lifestyle. We want to be more like him without putting in some of the fundamental rhythms and practices of his life. So when I'm talking about lifestyle, embracing the lifestyle of a disciple, I'm talking about the rhythms that Jesus would have had, you know, the time that he went to go and spend with the Father, that he withdrew from people, the, the solitude that he went through. For many of us, we just want an instant solution. Jesus, come and change me really fast, rather than learning to live like Jesus. The Gospels give us Jesus' teachings on many, many subjects. And we need to adopt his lifestyle if we want to experience his life. But in Jesus' case, it's absolutely worth the cost. In fact, you get back so much more than you give up. And the Western Church has lost sight of the fact that the way of Jesus is exactly that, a way of life. It's not just a set of ideas, what we would call theology, or a list of do's and don'ts, what we would call ethics. It is that, but it's so much more than that. It's a way of life based around Jesus himself. It's a lifestyle. Eugene Peterson, again, he once wrote this about Jesus' metaphor of the way. And he says, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. The Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. But Jesus is the truth. Often gets so much more attention, doesn't it? But your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle, and by life I mean your experience of the human condition, and by lifestyle I mean the rhythms and routines that you that make up your day-to-day existence. So, the way that you organise your time, spend your money, treat other people. There's a saying in business that every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So, so let's just work this through for a moment. All of us would agree. I I think that we want to look more like Jesus. We want to live more like Jesus. So what stops us? Well, what are some of the barriers? We don't know how, maybe it's like, I've just never learned what that looks like. We get distracted and suddenly we're onto something else. We're apathetic. It's like, what the desire, do I really desire it? But imagine somebody comes up to you and you know they're just in that first stages of coming to Jesus. It's almost like they're falling into the kingdom. And they're like, Teach me to to be a disciple. Well, the easiest way to teach that person to be a disciple is to say, Well, just do some of the things that I do. This is how I am a disciple. This is how I read the Bible. This is how I pray. This is how I sabbath. This is how I use silence and solitude in my life. This is how I fast. And this time with Jesus begins to produce transformation and Jesus starts to speak to us and says, I really want you to forgive. You've been holding this. You've been holding this in your heart and it's time to bring that before me. I want you to change the way that you react. I want you to slow down your life. You're living at a pace that's not sustainable. I love this idea of apprenticeship because it's really easy to understand. And the language that we're going to be using for it is it's to be with him. If you're going to be an apprentice of Jesus, you've got to spend time with him. You've got to be with him. And we're going to look at what that looks like. Well, you've got to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. And then you've got to do what Jesus did. Now, on one level, this teaching is so simple, but for many of us, we've lost the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. Discipleship isn't just for those who've come to faith. It's a lifelong pursuit. And so as I open up this series, during this time, during these next couple of years as a church, we are going to go back to the basics. What does it mean to be with Jesus? What does it mean to do what he did? You know, we're going to look at different series on fasting and solitude and silence and reading the scriptures. You know, we never get past the basics. You know, sometimes it's like oh, I'm going to graduate to this point. It's like, no, it's the simplicity of I need to be with Jesus. And then out of that, I need to live like him. So as we begin this new series, I want to finish with this question. Who are you becoming? What is the trajectory of your life? Is it towards Jesus? Do you feel like you're moving towards him or do you feel like you're moving away from him? And the way that you've set up your life, you know, your rhythms... They they are designed to give you, perfectly give you the system that you've got. So what does that look like? So who am I becoming? What is the trajectory of my life? Jesus' invitation is come and follow. Come and follow. Come and follow. Just going to pray in finishing. Jesus, I want to follow you with my whole heart. I don't want to just learn about you. I want to follow you. I want to learn to live like you, I want to be more like you, to help us in Jesus name.